0: Dan, how are you welcome to episode 35 of hubshots it's great to be here craig it is good on this chilly night you know it's getting a bit cold in sydney isn't it
1: we're it certainly is it was three degrees when i went for a run this morning
0: we're heading into winter so if you're listening in the us we have a number of listeners in the us which is always nice to see so they're going into nice warm period of the year Yes. but if you think think kind of october november around the time of inbound that cold chill coming in that's what it's like in sydney at the moment
1: not as bad but uh so i guess 168 days to inbound craig yeah so i think why i highlight that is now is the time to get ready if you haven't got your ticket buy your ticket before prices go up again and we would love to meet you guys at inbound hang out with you talk to you learn more about you and your businesses and what you do And always looking for feedback on how we can make HubShots a better podcast to serve our audience.
0: We certainly are. Now, speaking of inbound, can I give you another of my predictions? I love
1: your predictions, Craig. Okay. And so,
0: as we know by now, my predictions are just who I want to see. (laughs) (laughs) Not actually based on any predictive powers, but um, Sally Hogshead. I'd love to see her as a speaker. Yes. Now, I only heard about her the other day on the um, – actually, I'll mention this later in our podcast of the week. I listen to a podcast with her. But she's got a site called How to Fascinate, yep. and it's all about how to be a fascinating person, right? I'll just give you two quick tips or two quick items that I learned from this. Yes. One, she did this study of people and asked them the question – If you could be the most fascinating person in a room, how much would that be worth to you? And surprisingly, women said they would pay more than all the value of their shoes and clothes combined to be the most fascinating person. And men weren't far behind. They would pay. So it's actually got quite a – Like, put in financial terms, they highly value it. Highly valued, yeah. And then the second thing that she found was that asking people, do they actually think they're fascinating? And most people don't. They kind of really think they're not fascinating and not interesting. So they they want to be, but they don't think they are. Okay. So anyway, one thing that I, I was thinking about this coming out of it is like, well, if you could make another person that you're with yes. or that you're married to or whatever, if you could make them feel like they're fascinating, that would be very valuable to them, wouldn't it? Yeah. They would feel like almost if you put a dollar <laughs> figure on it. They feel really valued. So kind of the takeaway for me from that was like, I'm actually going to really try and make people feel as though they're kind of fascinating because they often do have very interesting things, but we're so distracted looking at our phones or whatever that we don't convey that to them. But If we just listen carefully and, and kind of purposefully and make people feel as though they're fascinating, that's a... It's a good thing to do for the world.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing her, Craig. That's right.
0: So I would love to see her at Inbound.
1: Now, speaking of fascinating things, we've got some fascinating insights from Pew Research, right? Now, this one is about long-form reading shows signs of life in the mobile news world. So you probably understand over time, we've thought reading things on a mobile device, it has to be short, can't be long need to keep it a certain length so people would probably just scroll past it. But this research is really interesting. It actually talks about people spend, if it's fascinating or it's interesting, people will spend the time reading it. So some of the research says that equal number of sessions between short and long form, but with long form, they spent twice as much time reading it, which is really fascinating
0: Yeah, I think this is really useful to know because this is just another indication that mobile is nowhere near reached its peak yet. And we often think of mobile just as kind of where we turn to for that kind of micro snacking, ah, just something funny or entertaining to read. And so therefore we think, oh long form content no it won't work on mobile. And yeah, what you're what you're highlighting is actually it does. And those reading times were proportionate to the length. So just because it's longer, it's not a hurdle for people reading. So keep this in mind when you're actually preparing your content. Don't automatically dismiss mobile, but actually think about how you can format the content so it's even more consumable on those yep. devices. Because this is growing. This is, this is nowhere near reached.
1: Yeah. Actually, I'll, sh- I'll share with you a little tip. I noticed one of the card blogs I read called Vice. And I really noticed this recently, like they were, had like a like a review of a few cars. It was really interesting. As I was scrolling, I noticed they used to have like some image sliders where you'd kind of scroll through a few images. But what they'd done on a mobile device, as you were going through, there was always a picture in the view on your screen. So you'd scroll a bit, you'd see a picture, you'd see another two paragraphs, you'd scroll right. again, you'd see another picture. And so I kind of broke it up really nicely. And I, and I was reading, I was thinking, oh, I'm having a good experience reading this. And I, and I then went, why? And I realized it was because it laid it out really nicely. So I actually sat there and read the whole thing. Excellent
0: tip. Formatting. Now, speaking of mobile and how people use their mobile yeah. devices and searching, we saw this latest finding via Search Engine Land that Google is now seeing, out of their search queries, 20% are voice activated. This now, is incredible.
1: That is, that is incredible.
0: So look, let me put this in perspective. Imagine you were looking at your site and 20% of your leads came from one new source. So new source, you'd think like a fifth of my leads are coming from this new source. That's that's actually significant. Yes. Right? So even though 20% seems oh that's small and things. No, consider it as soft and Google 20% of searches. Now it wasn't like that a year ago. No. And it's not like gonna be like that in a year from now. This is growing. It's so growing voice massively. search. So what Ian, what would you say in terms of preparing content that's going to be, I guess, picked up for kind of mobile searches any tips
1: my know? tip is think about when you do stuff with your voice and you often ask questions highlight your content or make the titles of your content the question so example how do i fix my fridge how do i upgrade my computer how do i
0: choose a plumber
1: yes That is all valid content. You're basically giving Google what it can serve up to people who are doing voice search.
0: It's much more of that conversational question thing rather than seven tips for finding a plumber. People don't
1: yeah, they no They don't say
0: that. They're always going to ask a question. It's sort of like they, they treat Google as their, as is becoming more the the expression now, it's as personal assistant, isn't it? It's just like you talk to it. As and you know what? You will see this. Help you, out.
1: Yeah. you will see this increase. I was just, uh, it obviously happens on Siri at the minute, on your iPhone, on your iPad. And apparently, I hear in the next version of the Mac operating system, Siri will be a part of that. So, again, you'll have this assistant where you would actually ask questions to get the answers. So, if anything, it's driving it towards voice at a very fast pace. You know what?
0: I'm surprised that Siri isn't already in the Mac. No. It, w- it wouldn't surprise me if it was, and I hadn't found it. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I actually don't reckon Siri is all that good. I yeah. get frustrated with Siri, but Google um, voice search is very good. It's yeah. like a much better, but the point is search, voice search, yeah. Correct,
1: and think of it as micro moments. So Google have coined this term, and it's micro moments in time. So people are doing particular activities at different points in time, and they are wanting to know what they can do. So when it's leading up to dinner time, for example, there's a really high rate of people going, what can I make for dinner? Or if I've got chicken, what can I make with chicken for dinner? And that's what people are doing, like, because they think, well, how do I take maximum use of this moment that I have to get what I need?
0: All right, onto our HubSpot feature tip of the week. And, you know, I was thinking we should call this HubSpot Hacks. <laughs> I like the name, but I don't like HubSpot. our chances of getting that through. I actually, look, HubSpotHacks.com is available on GoDaddy. So if you want to get yourself into trouble with the HubSpot <laughs> legal team, just go and register that domain and get started and then have it closed down a couple of months. You know, because when we were planning this podcast, we actually wanted to call it something with HubSpot in the name. Yes. And uh, they kind, and we got
1: gently told. Well, we were too. gently
0: advised not to. So, yeah, there you go. And, and, well, fair enough, too. They've got to look after their brand term. Um, now, we, Craig... Oh, the actual HubSpot tip. Yes,
1: yeah. <laughs> the HubSpot tip is using HubSpot and GoToWebinar. Now, I've looked at this, but I know you've actually implemented this for a couple of clients. How I know usually integration is pretty good with HubSpot like in terms of connecting, making the accounts talk to each other. How long did that take and what sort of time do we need? And what are the some of the things you learned... From using the integration. Mm, yeah, okay. So
0: the integration is really easy, it's seamless, it's it's actually really well done. So actually doing the connection, you know, that's 30 yeah, seconds that's, or yeah. whatever. You've got to have your GoToWebinar account and you link them too. Now, the thing about it is there's all these hooks that HubSpot provide with GoToWebinar. So you can actually use some of those in smart lists. So you, once you've connected to GoToWebinar, you can use a smart list that says which people registered and for yeah. which webinar and all that kind of stuff. So it's really good. And so you can actually, the main thing that you're talking about in terms of integration, HubSpot and GoToWebinar is in the workflows that you use either for promoting the webinar and coming up and sending reminders or and i think this is even even more important is after the webinar it's following up with people because you can fire the integration you can actually see of the people that registered how many actually turned up to the webinar and then you can give them a, a separate message to say people that turned up and who registered and did turn up so it's very powerful like that I would mention one other thing, you have the option in terms of sending reminders to either choose go to webinar to send reminders and that's by far the easiest. You just set up the integration and then you kind of go to webinar, does it? However, for maximum control, and I think better messaging because yes. you control all the format of the emails, you can actually send all the reminders from within HubSpot. So I've actually got one one of our customers does that, the full control, and then another customer just lets go to webinar do it. So it's about, you know, time involved. But, Correct. Uh, yeah, but, you know, I think... There.
1: I think from a perspective of branding and being able to drive a particular message to people, I think doing it through HubSpot is a far better way to do it. So I would definitely spend that time if you care about your brand and your messaging and make sure that you actually set up all those workflows and all of those emails out so it's consistent.
0: Yeah. Now, actually, I will just further answer your question. How long does that take to set up? That actually does take a fair bit of time, getting yep. those emails correct and that workflow. So it's very easy to do. So it's not as though it's a complex, you know, concept or anything, but it's like any nurture campaign. It's just it's setting up each of those effort. emails. Yeah, they, they take time. So think of it as a campaign, not as a, just a ticker a box and it's, it's all done kind of thing. All right, observation of the week. This was a great one that you've noticed. Tell yes, us I have.
1: That. Now, I'll tell you why I noticed it, because I like, and I look at all these kind of things, what people are testing. So a while back, quite a few people in our community were testing dropping the sidebar off blogs, right? right? Mm-hmm. So to make it more linear, keep people focused, and get to the main, keep the main thing the main thing. Now, right?
0: can I just check? So on on mobile, normally a sidebar wouldn't show, wouldn't show. Yes. But you're talking about desktop, desktop as well, yes, yeah,
1: correct. So I did notice. I went to the HubSpot blog today, and I'm like, oh, all of their blog especially the list pages, they're all centered. And what was really interesting, only the first blog item on that list had an image. And after every five blog posts, there was a call to action Nice in the list page, right? Now, there is a CTA after, once you click into the post, you'll see an image and you'll see the CTA at the bottom. But again, no sidebar. So I think what they have probably found is that dropping the sidebar has made people focus on the content and then drive them to click a call to action. But they also were opportunistic in the list to actually have call to actions dispersed within the list. So they could actually grab people there from there directly as they were browsing what topics to read. Yes. Which I think is fascinating. Yes. It'll be very interesting to see what sort of results they get on their call to actions. I'd love to, I hope they blog about this in, in, say, a month's time with their
0: findings. I suspect that because they've got such a huge readership that their data set would be very reliable. So statistically, so I think that'll be, yeah, I agree. Fascinating is the word to see that how that turns out.
1: But again, Craig, it just goes to show you've got to be always testing and measuring and trying out new things to get people to have a better experience with you. You can't stop and say, I've done that. You've got to really keep pushing the boundaries and have a consistent piece of time every month, every quarter where you actually review what's going on and go, well, how can I make that better? Let's run a test for the next 30 days, see if we can improve that.
0: Excellent tip. I, I think these kinds of tests are really hard because uh, changing the format of a, a blog layout, that's not something you do lightly. It's not just a, a quick A-B test. So it's something like hubspot doing this and showing their findings will be really valuable because i wouldn't go and implement that just on a whim uh, just because they're doing it but if they bring out findings that give clear insights i think that that would be really valuable i also think it's interesting that um they've actually as you said they've got the list with five posts then a cta Course I've never really thought of the list as something it could optimise. I always thought that oh that's who goes to exactly, the list, right? Yes. Because they're normally landing right on the post. But obviously they've looked at the stats and yeah, they're checking and well, I guess It's another opportunity. Another opportunity. We'll see how that plays out. All right, opinion of the week. Now this one's a little bit different from some of our opinions, but um Damesh asked this question on inbound. .org, he said, um, you know, WordPress, they bought the top-level domain .blog. Yeah. Right, so if you ever want to have a, my website .blog, yes. you're going to have to buy that through WordPress because they've bought the top-level domain. Now, that cost them $19 million to buy, basically to own all, it, all it, that top-level domain. Damesh said, do you think it's worth it? And, of course, you can go and read that and see all the different answers. Like, people like me, who would have no idea whether it's worth it or not, chiming in, giving their opinion, (laughs) right? So ignore those people. But then there is some interesting discussion. And I think one point that's come out of this for me, I'm actually thinking through this, should I buy the .blog versions of domains? And my answer is yes, I'm actually going to do that. Because if you think of two top-level domains, because I've always thought, oh, .com, .net, they're the ones, right? If you think of .co, Yes. And the .io domains, they've become really popular. Yes. And when they first launched, I was like, nah, they'll never take off, right? <laughs> That's a mistake, I realise now. I wish I had bought them. <clears throat> I think .blog could be in that in that yep. camp. So I'm getting them. But back to the question of, well, is it was it worth-, it worth it to WordPress? Still be de- to be debated, but an interesting kind of thinking in terms of branding and how, as a company, you it might is. need to think through that.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I think... It is very interesting considering, you know, before we were talking about different domains, what we call our domain, and this is all a branding exercise, right? So like we were talking before, it is actually important to spend that extra 20 $30, whatever it is, buy all those domains and hold them in your account because you don't want somebody else to come along and buy it and then start doing something else. And start ranking you or doing those kind of things. So I think that's really important. I
0: can pretty much guarantee that HubSpot have bought hubspot.blog. So yes. I'm <laughs> sure they've got control of that. <laughs> All right, tip of the week. So our tip of the week mm-hmm. is to do with Facebook and video. This is an interesting finding.
1: Yeah, so this is really interesting. It was uh, an article from Digiday, right? And it said 85% of video watched on Facebook is actually silent. Which is amazing, like, when you think about it. And I can understand why. But it kind of goes... I guess the takeaway from here is, like, if you're going to do a video on Facebook, make sure that you've actually got the subtitle, so to speak, yeah, actually in the video so people can actually watch it and kind of see what's going on without actually turning up the volume
0: yeah that's exactly right great tip and maybe we'll talk about this next episode I'll just because i'm looking at how to do that and a lot a lot of the ways that people are doing that very simply is they create a presentation yes it's almost like a powerpoint presentation with images and kind of Ah, subtitles yes then they just record that into a video so that's a very quick way and i'll we'll talk about that but Yeah, that's exactly right. Make sure you've got captions and subtitles on on all your videos if you're targeting Facebook. Now, what about another tip, Um, using Medium? We won't dwell on this one, but um, we love Medium, don't we? (laughs)
1: Yeah, now this is from the HubSpot blog, but there was a really good app that I discovered called Realism. And what it does, it's a Chrome plugin. So this plugs into your web browser called Chrome, and what it does, it actually gives you accurate reading estimates of um, content while you browse the web. So ah. you land on a news site or a really interesting article, it'll actually say, "Oh, this this will take you eight minutes to read." It comes up in a little little box on the right hand side, right? And I thought that's really that's clever. That is useful, um, yeah. And I think it's really useful. And one of the things I've actually seen other people do is in their blog. So you've got the title, usually who wrote the blog, when it was published. I've seen people actually put in there, this will take eight minutes to read. So you could use this tool, figure out how long your blog post will take to read and use that information and put that in your blog post. So people, you set an expectation with people to get going, Oh, yeah, this will take me five minutes. Okay, cool, I can, I've can. i got five minutes, I'll read that.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's really cool. And I guess where this comes from is Medium really made, Medium.com really made that whole time to read indicator, popular, popularized it yes. really. I know it's such a helpful thing. Just finishing up on Medium, if you're interested in how to use Medium, because we talk about it all the time and I know still a lot of people don't use it, but if you're interested, HubSpot, have you covered? They've got a great They've got a great, great post home. about
1: it. Okay. Now, Craig, we've got motivation of the week and this is to do with buyer personas, right? Now, I really loved when you explained about this, about going to LinkedIn profiles and looking at potential LinkedIn profiles of the people that who would be in your persona and looking at the language they're using and how they would describe themselves and what pain points that they, they have and what they need solved. Yeah, so this was a follow-on
0: from last episode when we, we did talk about advanced personas. And this one's really more around following on from that. And, you know, a lot of people don't have the luxury of interviewing buyers to build buyer personas. And in an ideal world, you would. You'd actually interview them, you'd spend the time and get all those insights. But if you can't get to that stage yet, at least have a look at some of your buyers. And as you say, go to their LinkedIn profiles and look, for it's a, it's a great tip. I'd never thought of it before. But it's such a one of those kind of obvious in hindsight kind That's of things. That's right, and, ne-
1: and neither have I. So, I mean, if you were starting out and you and you had, for example, you have some clients and you know that these are the clients you love working with, then go look at their profiles and <laughs> put together something, put together your, your persona using that. The Who's language data? that
0: they use to talk about themselves. And so a key thing, often people on their LinkedIn profiles, they say um, once you get past all that buzzword bingo, yes. awful, you know, a strategic thinker that's uh, with futurist mindset and all that rubbish, right? But then they get to, I help whatever okay, they do in yes. their company yes. and uh, overcome the challenges. Blah blah. Yep, that's the language. You want to talk to them, talk exactly. to them in the language they're using. Great tip. And we've got a link to that in the show notes as well. Podcast of the week, Craig? All Podcast of the week. So I'm going to um, tell you about Unmistakable Creative, the Unmistakable Creative podcast. And that's where I heard about Sully Hogshead, who we mentioned at the start. Yes. So this podcast is not really marketing focused or it's kind of a bit hard to nail down, but it's basically, I think even he describes it. If you went to a whole bunch of TED Talks, and, you know, those people, you know, Simon Sinek and the people that we love um, listening to have really great insights into yes. the world, yeah. those kind of things, they're the guests that he has on his podcast. Right. And so Sally Hogshead was on there talking about, you know, being fascinating yes. and other people talk about what motivates them or having purpose. So it's kind of one of those productivity meets life improvement mm. meets deep thinking kind of podcast. I loved it. So that's my podcast of the week, not necessarily marketing focused, although as we know, marketing is very much now about kind of telling your story and meeting people at their needs and understanding yes. people, that psychological kind of insight into people. So it, it, it's
1: very, it's going to be very useful just to get you thinking along those lines as well. Great, I love it. I think finally we'll do app of the week. One we love, Evernote. Now Evernote is, there's an app you can use on your phone, you can use it on your desktop, you can use it online. What I love about it is that All the notes are shared and linked. There's lots of cool stuff you can do about it. You can even email things into notebooks with reminders and stuff from your email and create that reminder in the notebook. And there's some pretty cool integrations I've got. I I was trying a few with another app on the weekend where when you take certain actions with your mobile device, it'll actually write a note in there. Monitoring the time you started or you finished in a note in your Evernote notebook. All right. so that was cool. But um, one of the best things with Evernote is it gives you a bit to share, chat about stuff, and do it in the one place. And actually, and that's how we started this podcast. We actually started Evernote and shared it with each other while we were in Boston. That's right, and that's pretty much how it's evolved. So that's actually one of the tools we use to put together this podcast on a weekly basis between Craig and myself. And it really really great place for capturing ideas. And one last thing before I finish, there is an Evernote, um, how do I describe it, on your Chrome browser, an extension. Yes. And if you're reading something online that you really love, and I do this often, like I go, oh, that's a really great article that I would like to just save for later or for my content curation. I basically just hit that button and I save it as as a piece of content that i want to read for later or curate for later and it works really well
0: nice clipper or something it's called was it the yeah it's called evernote clipper evernote clipper Yeah, yeah that's right so ian that's another great episode down um lots of great tips there i guess we'll see you
1: next week yes and we'd love to hear your comments see you on instagram twitter on our facebook page please leave a comment we love to hear from you guys. Uh, any feedback is valued, good, harsh, or fantastic. And we look forward to episode 36 next time. All
0: right, Ian. See ya. Thank you, Craig. Hey there. Thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. For show notes and the latest HubSpot news and tips, please visit us at hubshots.com.